While you're standing, would you grab your Bibles and hold them high, please? Let's make our declaration of faith. We have come to receive everything that God has for us, myself included. Are you ready? All right, let's go. Repeat these words after me. Believe the words that are coming out of your mouth as your very own. Say, Father in heaven. Thank you for this word. It is the absolute truth. And I believe it. It is your personal love letter to me. And I receive it. It's the answer to my questions and the answer to the world's issues. Lord, tonight, my ears are ready to hear your word. My heart is ready to receive your word. And I, by faith, am ready to be a doer of the word. In Jesus' name, no matter what comes my way. Now, Father, I pray the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let me only say what you would have me say tonight, and let me only do what you would have me do. We ask these things today in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, and all who agreed said, Amen. 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 Well, you sound ready. All right. Let's do this thing. Please open up your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. When you get there, give me a good shout. Say, I got it. it. Guys are quick. Guys are quick. Joshua is in the Old Testament just after the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Got it, got it, got it. Good. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea, Toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you about letting some things go. Letting go of the things in our life that have died that we might be holding on to that God is trying to sever. And as we pick up here in Joshua, if you go back just one book to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, as you read the last part, Moses has now died at 120 years old. His natural forces were not abated. His eyesight didn't grow dim. He died with strength. And God is so gracious. God knows the children of Israel are mourning the loss of their leader. And he allows them 30 days to mourn and weep for their leader. 
But the time comes, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 34, that after they wept those 30 days, the time of mourning was over. And God filled Joshua with the spirit of wisdom from the laying on of hands of Moses. And God began to speak to Joshua. And tonight I want to talk to you and tell you that no matter what has died in your life, or no matter what you've had to let go of, if you allow him, God will fulfill his purpose and renew his covenant with you and fulfill his promise in your life and to those around you. No matter what has died and no matter what you have to let go of. I love to read this chapter, especially at the start of a a new year, or for us in in the youth ministry, the start of a new school year, uh, because it just reminds us that, you know, when the new year comes, we get to say goodbye to all those things we didn't like that we did last year, all those mistakes, and, you know, the things we just don't want to bring back up, so we get a fresh start. Are you with me? You know what I'm saying? I love that fresh start. And I love to read this, because God, I just, I imagine, go back to verse 2 with me. Let's read this together. Verse 2 says, God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Period. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. Now, do you tell someone to arise who is standing in front of you? No, you tell somebody to arise who is either sitting down, laying down, or on their knees. And I imagine that Joshua is still mourning the loss of this great leader. Deuteronomy tells us that there never arose another prophet like Moses. And God comes and fills Joshua and says, listen, Moses is dead and there's nothing you can do about it. But arise and get ready because I'm going to fulfill my covenant in you and in these people. And I am going to bring you to the promised land. And God is reviving us tonight and saying, listen, let go. Let go of the things that have died. God is so gracious, though. He gives us time to mourn the loss of family and friend. He gives us time to to mourn the loss of something that might have died in our lives. But you know as well as I do, if we hang out with dead things too long, what happens? What happens? They smell. They start to affect us, don't they? Yeah. God doesn't want us hanging around dead things anymore. The time has come to sever the tie and to move on. Only when you let go of what is dead can you move on and conquer what God has called you to conquer. I have a, a, I'm sorry, but I have a pretty gross example of this. So bear with me. It'll probably be that every time you open up the book of Joshua chapter 1, you'll think of this gross example. But I think you can handle it. I know there's a couple pregnant people in the house. Just bear with me, okay? Um. My, my daughter, several months ago, dropped a, a, a plastic crate on her toenail. And you, you probably know where I'm going with this. You know, it was, the, the force was so great that it, it killed that toenail. It turned black and blue on the inside. And we, we just knew she's going to lose the toenail. That's, that's how it is. You, any, ever happened to anyone? Lost a fingernail or a toenail? Well, it's going to get a little bit glo- grosser, so hang in there, okay? So we know what's going to happen. We laid our hands on the toe and we said, We're, you're not going to lose this toe. Because my little girl, three-year-old, she's a girly girl. She could not deal with a lost toenail. I mean, she would not be happy with that. I mean, she, she is like, I mean, she's dressed up tonight. She always dresses to the nines no matter where she goes. So she would not be happy with a, with a lost toenail. So the good thing is she didn't lose the entire toenail. But just the other day, as part of the, the dead toenail, turned black and blue in its thighs, as part of its falling off, it's starting to irritate her because it's still connected to some life. It's still connected to some skin. So while she's sleeping, unbeknownst to her, she's moving her feet. It's irritating her. It's irritating her. While she's trying to put on her shoes, it's irritating her. So I had to get my daughter to come to terms with the fact that in order for her to feel better, she's going to have to let go of that dead piece of toenail that's hanging by a thread. She's going to have to let me cut it off. Now, 
Try doing that with a three-year-old. <laughs> At first, she says, Daddy, cut it. And I'm like, I go and get the clippers. I'm all ready. And to come back, and what does she do? No! <laughs> Covers the toe, runs for me. I have to get her to come to terms with the fact that it's going to be better for her if she loses that dead thing that's hanging around her. Let that sink in for a minute, because that is good. That is good. That's the Holy Spirit. It's a great analogy. He, I asked him for one. He gave it to me. I'm just telling you the truth. I didn't, I didn't come up with that. I said, God, I need a good example of this, how we need to let go of things. And he gave that to me last night. So I thought that was great. Always give glory to who it belongs to. So she had to learn to let go of that. We cut it off, and now she can get that new toenail to grow back in. And I think that that just helps us understand this a little bit, that there are things in our lives that we are still holding on to that God is really saying, I know it's painful. And the part, the product, the part of the problem is it's still holding on to some life. It's still connected to some life, but you just have to trust me, and you just have to let go and let me cut that thing off, whatever it may be. A broken relationship, a lost job. We're living in some very interesting times right now, coming out of what has been called the economic crisis, seeing people on the streets with these homeless, you know, cardboard that you never would have seen them on the streets before. And we can't be so tied to the things that we've done in life that we fail to see ourselves as God sees us. Because you're not a failure just when you fall down. You're only a failure if you fall down and refuse to rise again and refuse to get back up. And this evening, God is rejuvenating us and bringing life back to us and saying, rise and get back up and go because I will fulfill my covenant. I will renew my covenant and get this thing done. And I love reading this scripture because if you've walked with Pastor John for a period of time, he always reminds us in the Old Testament how God reaffirms his covenant. And I love that God picks up Joshua after the 30 days of mourning and he says, listen, Moses is dead. And then he goes on to say that he will bring them into the promised land. What is he doing? He's saying, I know Moses died, but my covenant didn't die with Moses and I'm going to get it done and I'm going to fulfill it in you. But you got to let that thing go. So tonight we're going to let some things go. Let go of the dead things. Say, let go of the dead things. That's what we're talking about tonight. (laughs) Can you go ahead and bring up that first uh, quote there? Dr. Henry Cloud. How many of you have heard of Dr. Cloud? Co-author of the book Boundaries. He also wrote a book called Integrity. And in his book, Integrity, Dr. Cloud said this, As long as you hang out in what you wish were true, or how you think it should be true, you will never see what is true, and never get to where you could get. Imagine if Joshua had hung out feeling depressed and sad and beaten and downtrodden because this great leader had died. He would have missed out not only on the purpose that God has for his life, but for the people around him, because it was Joshua's job now to bring these people. Moses was the last of the generation that had to die out. It was now Joshua's job to bring him into the land of Jericho. And if Joshua didn't do it and he sat there, you know, hanging out and what he wished was true, I wish Moses was alive, he would have never been able to fulfill God's promise in his life, not just affecting him. But who knows, maybe the children of Israel would have had to wait for another generation, another leader to come. The decisions we make in life, if we choose to stick around with the dead things, not just impact ourselves, but impact everyone in our realm and in our sphere, our family and our friends. But I don't want to move forward without reaffirming this fact that God allows us time for mourning. But we can't hang out there. We have to let the dead things die and begin to move on.
let go of the past. And as we let go of the past, one of the things we have to let go of is who we used to be. Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 6, please. Whenever I get discouraged, because sometimes I get discouraged, I go over to the book of Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, and I just read Romans 6, 7, and 8. I read Romans 6, 7, and 8, and sometimes even 5, because as you'll see, it's a great reminder to me and to all of us that we are not who we used to be. And there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And if we just allow him, he will fulfill his purpose in our lives. But we have to change our perspective, and that's what we want to look at tonight, as we let go of who we used to be. Are you in Romans chapter 6? Okay. I want you to go to verse 4, please. Paul is writing here. Obviously, to the church at Rome, he said, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together with him in the likeness of his death, certainly also we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. The death, or death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Here it is. Here's the clincher. Verse 11. Likewise, you also must reckon. That word means consider. You also must consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We need to let go of who we used to be. If you've walked with the Lord for any time, you know, you know that your adversary, the devil, by the way, you have an enemy. And it's not flesh and blood. It's not your boss. It's not your parents. It's not your siblings. The enemy, your adversary, the devil, the Bible says, roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he is after the children of God. And if he can't get you to, to, to not go into the kingdom, the way he wants to trip you up in the kingdom is to remind you of who you used to be. And when you walk with the Lord for a while and you do, you, you, you just you trust God, the enemy plants these thoughts and you forget That the same God who found you stuck and dead in your sin when you were an enemy of his and gave his son to die for you is the same God who now loves you, even though you are his child and will forgive and will strengthen you no matter what it is that you go through. We have to let go of who we used to be. Second Corinthians 517. Paul tells us again that if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. How much more clear can God make it? The enemy is the one coming at us, telling us, this is who you used to be. God can't forgive you. God can't, you've made, you've just messed up too big this time. God cannot forgive you. God cannot use, you might as well just check out, God's not going to use you anymore. That is not the voice of God. If we are willing, if we submit ourselves, if we see ourselves, as Paul said, dead to sin and alive unto God through Christ Jesus, our Lord, then he rejuvenates and revives us and gives us the strength to accomplish his purpose in our lives. But we've got to let the past go. We've got to let go of who we used to be. Joshua, uh, God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. You, therefore, arise 
and go. Let go. That person is dead. She doesn't exist anymore. He doesn't exist anymore. We need to begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us. So as we let go of the past and we let the dead things die, the next thing we need to do is let go of who we think we are. See, I know you're all going to agree with me when I say let go of your past. Oh, yeah, let go of who you used to be. I was, oh, yeah. But let go of who you think you are. Oh, dangerous territory now. Whoa, back off, Kurt. We thought this was going to be fun tonight. Let go of who you think you are. We have to let go of who it is that we think we are. Image is a very interesting thing, isn't it? All of us have an image of ourselves. And some of us, some of us, we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. And we suffer from a terrible disease called pride. We don't see our flaws, our inadequacies. Not that we should dwell on those things, but we just don't see that we have any shortcomings. And even when people try to point them out to us, we cannot see them. So we suffer from that terrible disease called pride. Other people, they see themselves as less than they ought to, and therefore suffer from insecurity. And I'm here to tell you tonight that pride and insecurity are brother and sister. And they go hand in hand. And they are a thief and a robber. And they will stop you from fulfilling your purpose in this life. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We will become as we see ourselves. And that's why it's so important that we begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us. That we begin to see ourselves as redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Not as the devil wants to remind us, but as children of the living God. Now we've got pride and we've got insecurity. Now the beautiful balance is a a word called confidence. Confidence doesn't see itself through the eyes of failures and mistakes, nor does confidence see itself through the eyes of success. Confidence chooses to see itself through the eyes of the Lord. Balanced. Balanced. Confidence is where our inability meets God's ability. It's that place where we let go and we let him move and work on the inside of us. So we need to begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Well, how can we do that? I'd like you to walk with me a couple books over to the book of Ephesians. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. I want you to go over to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, one of my favorite scriptures, verse 10. We must see ourselves as God sees us if we're going to win this fight of faith. Ephesians 2.10, when you get there, say, I got it. it. Okay, let's read. For we are his workmanship. Everyone say workmanship. workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love that word workmanship. Workmanship in Greek is a word poema. Everyone say poema. Poema. Now, forgive me, I'm not Greek, so I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I'm saying it's how it's phonetically spelled. Poema. Go ahead and bring that word up on the screen so everyone can see it, please. There it is. That's the Greek word poema. Now, take a look at this word. In English, what's the closest word you see there? Oh, you guys are so smart. We see the word poem there, don't we? Think about that. For we are his poem. Is that that what? For we are his poem. What does that word mean? 
That word poema means and implies designed by a skilled artisan for a specific purpose. Designed by a skilled artisan for a specific purpose. Now, what is a poem? Help me understand. What is a poem? Great job. Isn't it a beautiful... (laughs) Isn't it a beautiful description of a sunset? Something glorious, right? Something captures your heart. That love of your life when you first met them. I must have written my wife a hundred poems. You know, that child when they're born, that sunset that you, you just love watching. It's a description of something beautiful that's captured your heart. Could it be that God is saying we are a description to the world of something beautiful that has his heart? Could it be that we are his artwork to the world? We are his expression. Just as Jesus was the word, the full expression of the father, We are his artistic expression to the world of a skilled artisan. And when you have that, there's no need to be insecure because you don't see yourself the way that the enemy sees you. When you have that, there's no need to be proud because you know who God created you to be. You're just comfortable in being that workmanship. So we need to let go of who we think we are and begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us as his workmanship, as his beautiful description, a poema to the world. Let the dead things die in your life. Whatever failures, whatever mistakes, whatever things keep pulling you down. The weights and the sins that so easily ensnare us. Let's break those off. Let's lay aside those things and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. And how do we do that? By looking unto Jesus, Hebrews says, the author and the finisher of our faith. How did he do it? For the joy that was set before him. What was the joy? You were the joy. Redeeming our life from destruction, bringing us back to the Father once again having united relationship we are the joy we are his expression and that is how we do it let the dead things die let go of your past don't see yourself the way you used to be and let go of your image of yourself see yourself the way that God sees you say to yourself the things that God says about you there's always going to be people that want to say bad about you let them talk bad about you the devil's always going to want to talk bad about you let him talk bad about you you got to say the good things to yourself you got to say what matters you have to tell yourself the truth now there's a difference between looking in the mirror and building yourself up on arrogance and pride and looking in the mirror and telling yourself on who you really are in god you know the people who look in the mirror they build themselves up in pride you can just see that i mean it's pretty obvious but to look in the mirror And to tell yourself who God says you are is the most important thing. To be able to see ourselves as God sees us. The next thing I want to talk to you about, so we're letting the dead things die. We're letting go of who we used to be. And we're letting go of our image of ourselves. The next thing I want to tell you to let go of tonight is a a hard one. Is let go of fear. Fear is something that can capture and grip each and every one of us during different times in life. We're all on different levels in this race of faith. And sometimes fear tries to come in and cripple us. Sometimes fear tries to come in and stop us. And fear, like pride and insecurity, is a thief and a robber. And it will stop you from fulfilling your purpose in this life. And that's why God is very specific back in the book of Joshua. Would you follow me? That's why God is very specific back in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 9. Let's go there together. I want you to see this with your own eyes. God is very specific in Joshua 1, 9. When you get there, say, I got it. Okay, here we go. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There's no need for us to be afraid because the Lord is with us wherever we go and no matter what we do. I think a great illustration and a great image of fear is this next image. Go ahead and bring up this image, please. Fear is a control. Now, this mouse would be deceived to think that he has experienced life outside of his cage. Whatever it is, mouse or a hamster. They said it was a mouse. It doesn't matter. It's not part of the point. This rodent that you don't want running around your house, (laughs) you'd rather have it in the ball. Uh, This guy right here would be deceived if he thought he's experienced life outside of his cage, wouldn't he? You see, that's what fear does. Fear is a control. And as long as we accept fear in our life, fear is a dead thing. It'll keep us in this control. And we're just like this mouse or hamster or rodent running around in the ball thinking, thinking we're making progress. And we're really not. This mouse would be deceived because he has never felt the pavement on his hands, on on his hands and his feet, never felt the grass, never tasted those sweet things on the journey, never smelt that beautiful aroma of fresh open air. And yet he's running around, doesn't know any better. And this is exactly what fear will do to us. It'll cripple us. It'll keep us in a vicious cycle doing the same things over and over again, thinking we're getting good results. And really, we're getting the same results. And I got to tell you, the same results just ain't good enough anymore. We need to get some better results and we need to get some different results. So as we let go of the dead things, one of the dead things we have to let go of is to let go of fear once and for all. You know, children are great. I have two. Our third one's on the way. Pretty excited about that. Yeah. Yeah, we just met our baby today. Pretty exciting. We just met our baby today. My daughter is convinced that it's a girl. We keep trying to tell her not to get too excited because we don't know. So we'll wait and see. But we just met our baby today. And and children, I mean, at a very young age, they are just fearless. You know, they are totally fearless. And you can watch them. My daughter is always looking for something new and tall and big to jump off of. She hasn't found something that she feels is really her match yet. And my son, no matter how many times, no matter how many times we teach him, he still will grab the dog's ear and put his hand on the dog's snout. My, my in-laws have this, this crazy little min pin, miniature pincher. He is feisty. He is fiery. His name is Rusty, and he suits his name. He's a rusty-looking guy. He's one foot nothing, but he will chomp on you like there is no tomorrow. And my son just does not get it every time we go over there. He's toying with that, and Rusty will will, will try to snap on him, but he just doesn't get it. And obviously, we don't want our kids sticking their hands in dog snouts. We don't need another story on the news. But what we need to do, see, sometimes life experience teaches us, you don't stick your hands in a dog snout. You don't put your hand in the socket. You can't jump off of very tall things because you will fall and hurt yourself. But sometimes... Sometimes our past experience is filled with fear and tries to cripple us from taking a risk and stepping out on a promise of God. And that's exactly what this ball is doing. See, our children, we expect them to learn. We expect them to have experience. But the problem is, as we get a little bit older, we forget the risks that we used to take when we first were in the Lord. 
We forget how fiery we felt. We forget that sense of life inside of us that would go out and conquer the world. We get a little bit older, get a little bit more complacent. But we don't realize that we're crippled by fear and we're like this rodent in a ball. We think we're making progress, but we're really not. And so God is encouraging us tonight to let go of fear because it will cripple you and stop you from fulfilling your purpose. Now, when you let go of fear, which is a process, I understand. When you let go of fear, I would say you're like this next rodent. Go ahead and bring up that next slide. He got out of the cage. You're right. <laughs> That's probably even better than the picture. He got out of the cage. Let's see. We're going to get it? Yes, no, maybe? Well, I don't want to spoil the surprise. I'll wait one more second and see if we can get it. I would just it would be terrible to spoil the surprise. Oh, all right. Well, and somebody tell me, Mina, are we going to get it or should I tell them? Not going to come. Okay, very good. Well, the next rodent that was on the screen was Mighty Mouse. When we let go of fear, see, you would have appreciated that. <laughs> yes. When we let go of fear, we become like Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse is still a mouse, right? Still a rodent. But he's not locked inside of a cage or a ball, is he? No. And I know it's simple, but it's the simple things in life. God is not very complex. Well, for us to understand him, he is. But in terms of his love towards us, in terms of what he wants to do in our lives, it's not that difficult. But there are some dead things that we have to let go of, each and every one of us. We must first let go of the dead things. And that's why God turns to Joshua and says, Joshua, that's it. Moses is dead. There's nothing you can do. You arise. Go over this Jordan into the land which I am giving you. Is there a risk involved? You better believe there's a risk. Okay, Joshua knew the Lord. He was filled with the spirit of wisdom. But guess what? There was a risk because Joshua saw the walls of Jericho. How do we know that Joshua knew exactly what was going to happen until God showed up and said, this is how it's going to happen. You might step out there and you might see that big wall in front of you. But that doesn't mean that that wall has to stop you. You just have to wait on the Lord until he gives you the wisdom and understanding as to how you're either going to plow through that wall or jump over that wall. We need to hang out with God instead of hanging out with the dead things in our life. Everybody say, let go. go. Got to let go of fear tonight. Have to let go of our image tonight. We have to let go of who we used to be. All things the devil wants to use to trip us up on this road to success. I've been teaching the students in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. What is a weight? A weight is something that brings you down. And every sin, what is sin? Sin is something that trips you up on your road to success. Let us lay aside every weight, the things that are bringing us down, and every sin, the things that are tripping us up, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before. We are in a race. We're not in a sprint. We're in a race. It's a marathon, and we have to run, but we got to stick close to the Lord. We can't be hanging out with the people who are falling down by the wayside. we got to keep our eyes on the prize, and we have to keep running. We have to keep running. Letting go of fear, letting go of our image, letting go of who we used to be. Let the dead things die tonight. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? 
Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you right now for your word, first and foremost, which has gone forth tonight. You said as your word goes forth, you'll draw all unto you. And so, Father, I ask you and thank you right now for drawing every heart. Before anyone walked through these doors today, you prepared their hearts. You know where every single one of us are. And, Father, I pray that you would locate us tonight by the power of your Holy Spirit. Locate each and every one of us, Lord. Many of us have some dead things in our lives that we need to let go of. Many of us need to let go of fear because it's crippling us right now. Many of us need to let go of our own self-image because it's inhibiting us from fulfilling our purpose. Some of us need to let go of who we used to be. No, we didn't do it right, God. We didn't do everything right. No, we messed up sometimes. But that doesn't matter. That person is dead. And so, Father, I pray you locate each and every one of us right now by the power of your Holy Spirit and reveal to us what it is that we have to let go of this evening. And just ask him right now, Father, locate my heart. Locate me. Where am I right now? As we're open, God will reveal himself plainly. And as he does, I just want to ask you, where are you this evening? Are there some things that you need to let go of? Maybe a past broken relationship you just cannot seem to get past. Maybe a lost loved one. Maybe a child who's gone astray and it's crippling you. Commit that child to the Lord right now. What is the fear in your life that you need to let go of? Tonight all over this room with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, out of respect for the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do and out of respect for one another, I just want to ask you as God begins to locate you and locates your heart and shows you what it is that you need to let go of, would you just stand if it's, if it's fear that you need to let go of, if it's who you used to be that you need to let go of, if it's who you think you are or something dead that you just keep hanging around. Would you just stand to your feet right where you are and just lift your hand shoulder high and just begin to let that thing go before the Lord right now. Open your mouth and begin to talk to him. Say, Father, I let go. I let go of everything that has held me back, of everything that has inhibited me, of everything that has stopped me from fulfilling your purpose in my life. Just begin to let it go all over this room. Stand as soon as God locates you. As soon as you find out where you are, just stand and submit your heart to him right now. Because he knows where you are. Just open your mouth. Let it go. Let it go. Oh, Father, I thank you right now. I thank you right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would move on every heart here. God, you're so wonderful. You've given us time to mourn the loss of whatever it is. But the time of mourning is over and you're saying, arise and go because this has been crippling you too long. Sure, it's dead. But let it go. Let it go. Right now. In the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, right where you are, those of you who are standing, would you just look at me? Not that I've count myself to understood much, understand much, but one thing I do know, even at this young age, is that everything is a process. And it takes time. We come and we stand tonight and we let these things go. But there will be a challenge for you. To see if in your heart you really are going to let go and let God move in your life. 
there are going to be challenges ahead when it comes to letting these things go. It's a process. God will walk you through the process and renew his covenant with you just as he did with Joshua.